You sisters know that my skin has been glowing lately, and I'm here to tell you my secret. Oak Essentials. You've heard us talk about their line of luxurious products before, and we're so excited to have them as a sponsor of OK Sister Podcast because now you can join in on the glowy goodness. You know Oak Essentials is legit because it was created by none other than our favorite brand ever, Jenny Kane. Oak Essentials is known for its simple approach to self-care with a lineup of foundational skincare staples made with high-quality ingredients that drive results. It aims to unlock healthy, glowing skin with decadent and hydrating ingredients that give you a luxe, dewy glow. I won't shut up about the Moisture Rich Balm. It's a nutrient-rich balm that supports collagen production and delivers serious hydration for a luminous glow. And a luminous glow indeed. The way my skin feels like butter after applying this balm. This balm will make you never want to wear makeup again. And you can apply generously during your night routine to lock in moisture as you dream. It's the definition of beauty sleep. Treat yourself or someone else this season. You sisters will get 15% off and a free organic honey-based restorative mask with their first order. Oh my God, what a deal. When you use code OKSIS15 at checkout. That's right. 15% off plus a gift with your first order at O-A-K-E-S-S-E-N-T-I-A-L-S.com. Promo code OKSIS15, OKAYSIS15. Go ahead and treat yourself. From luxurious skincare to meaningful self care, you deserve it. Welcome to OK Sis Podcast. Hi, sisters. I'm Maddie. And I'm Scout. And we are sisters IRL. I'm the older one. Yes, Scout. We know. We're cultural observers. And of curious minds. Get ready for sisterly banter while we chat about fixations, learnings, and personal growth. We promise it'll be a good time. As long as you don't get too loud, Mads. Welcome to the sisterhood. Hi, sisters. Scout here. And yeah, just Scout. Feels a little weird without Mads on the mic with me, but I am so excited. I just wanted to do a very, very quick intro so you guys know what the fuck's going on with this episode. This is my mental health chat episode. I'm going to be releasing these once a month on the second Thursday of every month, and it's just going to be me either solo or with a guest that's really helped me through my mental health journey. I know that a lot of you know that I live with bipolar disorder, and you know, I think Mads is tired of me saying it all the time. So we thought, okay, give Scout a designated space to talk about mental health, her experience with mental illness, etc. So this is where you're at today. I'm going to be bringing you some stories that I've had in my past, maybe my full mental health journey I'll do in one episode, some interviews that I find really valuable, as well as some solo episodes on just some tips that I do. I host Scout Podcast, which is my own podcast where I kind of do bite-sized 20-minute mental health nugget episodes over there every Tuesday and Thursday. This is just going to be kind of a bigger deep dive extension of that on the OKSIS platform. So I'm so excited and I just want to thank you all sisters for supporting me in my mental health journey. The amount of DMs, comments, everything that I've received from you guys in such support of my healing journey and such support of me talking so candidly about what it's like to live with bipolar disorder has truly, truly made me feel not only at home, but that my experience and my healing is valid and that I have a right or that I have just a space to express myself fully without worrying 
about the shame or the stigma attached. You sisters have been so incredibly supportive. I've been able to talk to so many of you about your own mental health journey, whether you were diagnosed with a mental illness or whether your loved one has a mental illness, your partner, your friend, your mom, your dad. I've even got on the phone with some of you. And so I know that this community is a community of women who care about their mental health, who put themselves first, who understand the importance of self-development, self-care, self-healing. And it blows me away every single time, you know, living with a mental illness. Many times I felt alone. I felt as if I couldn't really relate to other people. But coming out with my story on OKSIS and talking about it so candidly and, and sometimes, you know, cracking a joke about it, making making it light, bringing levity to the situation has really helped me feel as if we are in this together, all of us. Whether you have a mental illness or not, mental health is something that affects us all and it's a conversation for all. So I am so excited to bring this segment to OKSIS, my mental health chat segment. Again, it'll be the second Thursday of every month. And uh, look forward to Mads' segment with her book club on the last Thursday of every month. So, okay, sis, solo episode with just Scout. Let's see how it goes. So, for this episode, I brought on my coach, Amy Natalie. I started working with Amy a year ago, and the amount of growth, healing, progress, change, cracked openness, spiritual awakening shit I have gone through this last year has been so intense. And I truly believe it is because she has facilitated the container for me to openly go there. She has changed my life in more ways than one in a way that really I stand here empowered, autonomous, and and really, really taking control over my mental health so that those I love, including my husband and my friends, can benefit from me taking radical emotional responsibility for my life so that when I get to them, it's, I have, I have good things to offer. Not that when I'm not feeling well, I don't have good things to offer, but I've come to a place in this last year where I know how to take care of me and that feels really good. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. It is very raw, candid. We got into a lot of the details of what it's like to coach me, of what I'm like in coaching sessions, the very personal things that we worked through, we really held nothing back. And I hope this kind of gives you a little bit of insight into my healing process, the healing that I have been doing, and hopefully you find inspiration in some of the healing topics that maybe it's time for you to start looking at. And know that I am always here to support you sisters. You can follow me at Scout Sobel. I have a newsletter that goes out every Sunday about how to make your Sunday really intentional and set yourself up for the week on a mental health standpoint. Again, I have my Scout podcast where I talk very exclusively about mental health and entrepreneurship and very nugget size episodes. And come hang, DM me. I want to hear how you're doing. I really want to hear what you're going through and hopefully we can all be a support to one another. So I love you sisters. I could not be more lucky to have you all in my life. So I hope you enjoy this episode and um, we'll see you next week with Mads, I guess. Okay, sisters, I have the woman that I cry to for the past five years. No, not five years, one year. I don't know where the word five came from, the number five (laughs) came from, that I have sat with basically once a week for the past year and cried my eyes out and have completely cracked open into a new human being, the woman that held me not in the container of bipolar disorder, but in the container of being a human. And I've talked about, I've talked a lot about her on the podcast. You guys have heard little snippets of me mentioning my coach. So without further ado, Amy Natalie. 
It is such an honor to be here with you, sitting across from you. And this is such a huge gift that you are giving to your listeners, really letting them into your world and behind the scenes of your journey with your spiritual journey, with mental health. And I just want to share with everyone who's listening that this is such a gift that you're about to experience because most people have a lot of shame around this and don't share it. And that's one of the things that I love most about Scout is that, you know, she does the work for herself, but then she gifts it. She gives it away to everyone, to her family, to her friends, and to you guys. So thanks for having me here. Yeah, sisters, I told her that uh, client confidentiality is going to go out the window <laughs> and we're going to get really, really raw because I think that so many people wonder what happens in coaching sessions. Um, coaching, I've been in therapy from the age of 14 to, you know, up to 28. And the experience of coaching is so different. And I, for me, when people ask me about coaching, it's really about finding the right coach that works for you. And I think that that's actually something that people don't think to do when it comes to therapists, but they should. So let's just start. Can you tell us a little bit about the difference between the type of coaching you do, what type of coaching you do versus therapy? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I myself too had worked with therapists in the past for mental health. And I believe that therapy is so valuable and so necessary and so important. Um, I think that for people who maybe not be super open to coaching yet, that therapy is kind of like a gateway to personal development. And you might not even know that that's what you're doing when you go to a therapist. But I would say that a therapy role is more of a support and a space for someone to listen, whereas coaching is that and it's also proactive. It's also action-oriented. It's also someone without the tape of like, there's a lot of red tape when it comes to therapy because it is, you know, there's a lot of rules around what therapists can and can't say or should and shouldn't say and how much personality they can actually add into their sessions. And under their licensed um, credentials, there are a lot of rules of what they can and can't do. And with coaching, we have a lot wider range. With coaching, we can say it as it is. We can also take things outside of the box. So a lot of the work that Scout and I have done have been destigmatizing mental health, destigmatizing bipolar, not being defined by your circumstances. A big part of coaching and the way that I see things is like, cool, this might be what's happening in your life right now. And like, let's create a new future for you. Let's create a different reality. Let's change your circumstances. And it's not passive where I'm just reflecting. We're actually actively creating new realities, new ways of thinking, new ways of new belief systems. And some of the stuff that I teach is very controversial and might not be seen as mainstream common sense logic. Like we don't play in the logic with my work. Can you give an example? I mean, I can give one right now. Yeah. You, you have supported one me through. So I hired somebody on my team during a month where I didn't have enough money and I, my revenue wasn't necessarily there because I'd lost a few clients. And I said, but I have to do this. I know I can. And you, I think a therapist, would have said, no, 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 the money's not there. Let's get, let's get rational real quick. And you said, fuck yeah, I know exactly where you are. You're going to do it. And I did it. 
And so it's just little differences in perspective of that and not being so fear-based in our decisions, but really giving me the permission and the support to take leaps that aren't delusional and totally irrational, but that are faith-based in some circumstances. Yeah. I mean, I would say that a big part of my coaching and our coaching together is faith. It is belief. It is being connected to something greater, whether that be God or the universe, source energy, whatever you feel most connected to. And we do a lot of practical stuff too. So I think that's actually something about my coaching that is really unique is that I can play in the real world. I can be super here now in the practical physical realm and also hold this, this belief system and this knowing that there is something greater that is contributing to everything and that everything is happening for a reason and that we are really powerful beings connected to this infinite source of wisdom and um, that we're all of that. And so I think my style is really both like connecting to your intuition and, and the greater capacity in life and then also action-oriented confidence to make that happen, especially when you feel afraid, like really taking action on that. Yeah, 100%. And I, and I think this advice is probably better towards the end of the episode once people see the magic of this. But I think that something why I took such a plunge, because coaching isn't like therapy and that you go to therapy once a week and you're not tied down financially to like a program or a month. So when I work with you, it's on a, it's on a contract. And I think that there, that's such an important part of it because I've never, you know, people say when you invest money, you take it more seriously. But the fact that you made me commit to three, then six, and like we've been working together forever. But um, I think that's such a distinction because you go into therapy once and maybe you don't go back, right? Like you work out once and then maybe you don't work out again. And so I think that my biggest advice is because when I started working with you, I had, there was a lot of doubts from my friends. Um, you know, what are her credentials? And da, da, da. I was like, well, the people with fucking credentials haven't saved me yet. So I don't know what you're talking about. But I will say, I think that if this, as you listen to this conversation, sisters, and you're saying, I think a coaching is the right w- way for me to go about it, I would recommend taking a workshop from the coach that you're interested in first. They have, coaches usually have free webinars, masterclasses, uh, workshops, et cetera, because I do really believe that coaching is an energetic exchange and you have to find the person that really speaks to you. And so what's so beautiful about the coaching world is that they offer so many ways to get involved with their words and their wisdom. And then you can say, okay, this feels really good. I am ready to make that investment and really dive deep. I think that's how you and I started working together. I mean, yeah, we knew each other in high school, but like not really, right? Like we weren't friends in high school, but I was in your mastermind and I saw there was something about when we would get one-on-one where I would just listen to you. You know, there was something about the way you showed up for me and your energy is very different, I think, when you're in coaching and then when you're not. And when when you're coaching, it's very purposeful and intentional and it's almost as if there's this bubble around the two of us where... It is very impenetrable by by outside sources. And so when I felt that way and I saw that you were so quickly and swiftly able to change my mindset and business from scarcity to abundance, and then I doubled my revenue, I had had that glimpse of what it was like to work with you. And so it made it so, I mean, not so easy to say yes, because I never invested in myself in that way. And that will forever change my life because now I choose to invest in myself over everything. 
ever since having a baby, I've been extremely conscious about what I spend my money on and which products I use. And clothing is no different. I want my wardrobe to be sustainable, good quality, and timeless. You have to be talking about Whimsy and Row, right? Whimsy and Row is an LA grown, eco conscious brand born out of the love for cute, comfy, and classic styles. Every piece is made by women for women. Quality goods, local production, natural and organic fabrics. Yes, please give me all the linens. Just like OK Sister, Whimsy and Row is based on the idea that women are multidimensional. There's a balance of flirty feminine and minimal masculine in all of our wardrobes, and Whimsy and Row means exactly that. From special occasions to everyday effortless styles, their clothing is meant to mix and match and wear on repeat. I have been wearing their Kira pant in black linen probably three times a week. Sisters, if you've been listening to this podcast or following me on Instagram, you know that Whimsy and Rose Kira Pant in Black Linen is a sisterhood staple at this point. Founder Rachel Temko created the brand back in 2014 because she wanted to create an approachable and inclusive brand that cared for the people and the planet first. Get the full Whimsy experience IRL at their Venice location or shop online at whimsyandrow.com. Their store in Venice is so cute, I can attest. And if you're in LA, I highly recommend stopping by. They are always putting on these amazing community events. They just launched their spring summer collection and we will be living in it all summer long. Visit their website, whimsyandrow.com. That's W-H-I-M-S-Y-A-N-D-R-O-W.com and use code OKSISTER for 15% off. Sisters, my goal these days is to always look put together when I leave the house. Nothing over the top or super dressed up or anything like that. I just want to look put together and feel good about what I'm wearing in an effortless yet refined way. When I look at my closet every single morning and think about what I can wear that is chic and intentional, I usually end up grabbing one of my Jenny Kane sweaters and I always end up loving the way I look and the way I feel in them. You all know, sisters, that when I envision my highest self, I am wearing Jenny Kane. Their sweaters are the quintessential must-have item. I cannot stop wearing my Marina set. I throw it on and immediately feel like I'm in a Nancy Myers movie. Like I could just walk on the beach in Santa Barbara. It is the coastal grandma aesthetic. My favorite Jenny Kane sweater right now is their everyday sweater in taupe. This is the definition of a staple that every woman must have in their wardrobe. Sisters, trust me on this one. I wear it with leggings, oversized jeans and a little kitten heel or a silk maxi skirt. Legit, Mads and I are so obsessed with wearing our Johnny Kane sweaters that we've literally shown up both wearing the same sweater once, the white alpaca cocoon crew neck, which is this deliciously oversized sweater. Yeah, that moment takes the cake. Both of us walking in with our matching Jenny Kane sweaters. We're obsessed. Can't take them off. Wearing them every day. The type of staples that save your outfit. That is what I love about their entire collection. It is truly the art of simplicity. They focus on comfort, quality, and timeless designs. You can curate a wardrobe that never goes out of style. Find your new uniform at JennyKane.com. Our listeners get 15% off your first order when you use code OKSIS at checkout. That's 15% off your first order, J-E-N-N-I-K-A-Y-N-E.com, promo code OKSIS. O-K-A-Y-S-I-S. Let getting dressed be one less thing to worry about. But can you tell the sisters what Scoutala was like when we first started working together? Mm. What kind of, what were your impressions of where I was at? Not judgmental, but you know what I mean. 
where was I at and why? Because you, you came to me and said, I want to work with you one-on-one. I, I didn't come to you. So what was it about me that you saw either potential to heal and grow? Or what was it about me that maybe, I mean, you weren't scared, so I don't want to say scared you, but talk a little bit about that moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that the conversation that we had when the mastermind was coming to completion was that there were still a lot of things for you that felt really unresolved as on the emotional realm of dealing with your emotions and in the way that you related to your emotions and really seeing that your emotions still had so much power over you. And and we talked about it in the context of your business of like, how does it affect you to have these like really intense emotions and then whether it be anxiety or depression or fear or scarcity and things that were coming up for you and how much that was affecting you, how much that was weighing on you and how painful that was. And I saw that and then how that was impacting relationships. And it it really was something that I saw in you was that it didn't have to be that way. And that's what I love about the work that I do is that when, especially when I first meet with a client and they share what's, what's present for them, what they're struggling with, I can see the other side already. I can see what's on the other side of that pain on the other side of that thing that's weighing them down and what their life would look like and how they would feel internally without that. And so what I saw was that you were functional by the time we worked together. I mean, you had done outpatient programs. Yeah. Two outpatient programs by then they locked me up once and a fuck ton of psychiatric medication. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you had been through the realm of like trying all the things for mental health and I saw another possibility for you and I saw an opportunity for you to take your power back from depression, from a diagnosis of bipolar, from essentially being a victim to which is what society tells us is like, okay, take this medication because there's something wrong with you or you can't you can't fix this. There's nothing else that you can do about it or just keep going to therapy. And if therapy, you know, it definitely helps, but is it actually changing something? And I think that was really the biggest thing that was missing was continuing to try the same things, but not actually seeing these drastic results, these life-changing results that you're looking for. Yeah. I felt as if the medication got me to a point where I could function in society and show up and do the things, but that underneath there was still this emotional situation and I'm actually off meds now um working together I I went off the medication and sisters if you're going on medication absolutely zero shame do what you got to do I've been on medication my whole life I do always just preach that you do your own research and understand the side effects of each medication because I was put through the ringer on medication that did me more harm the last medication that I was on really improved my life. So it was awesome to be on it. But um, I made a personal decision to go off. Um, But yeah, what you said that there was another way, I think was the words you just used when you saw me. Um, Or there was a way, there was something on the other side of this. And sisters, that was never the message that was given to me. The message that was given to me was that I need to be monitored that people need to be afraid and worried for my life, that I was going to live with something that would plague my days, that I had a severe case, that the hospital was always available. You know the hospital's always available, right? Stuff like that. 
I've had friends have to take knives out of the house. And I think that while my bipolar disorder was so severe naturally, while my mental health was so severe naturally, I was kept in a reinforcing narrative over time that got me to a point where I could function, but I thought, well, I can function, but I'll always have this. And that doesn't mean that today I don't, I mean, reflecting on my days now, I really don't have much. I really don't. I, I literally have anxiety and I drop in. I just stop. I pray. I drop into my body. I know it's on the other end. I thank it for visiting. I, I now know it's on the other side. Like every time I go through a challenge, I'm like, oh, I can't wait to see what's on the other side. So I think that's also a really big difference in the way that healers and therapists and people approach the, their clients, patients, whatever you want to call them with this ability, with this human ability to transcend what they're currently experiencing. And that narrative wasn't told to me. And I remember asking, you know, can you handle the bipolar? Can you handle this? And the fact that you were so not afraid, you really weren't afraid. It made me feel as if I wasn't, and I don't know why this word is coming up, that I wasn't a monster. Mm. You know, that I wasn't Frankenstein, that I wasn't someone that had to be studied or monitored but I don't know why you trusted that I was just a human and that made me see that I was literally just a human having an experience so one thank you for that you saved my life um Adam has never seen a change and transformation it's what he's been praying for our whole marriage so it's it's really profound let's talk a little bit um I guess specifics of some things that have really changed for me. And and also I want to mention, there's just so much. You know me, sisters. I go all over the place. I want to mention that I still felt depressed and anxious till about October working with you. And we started working together, what, May, maybe? Maybe April. I think April. And so I just want to highlight that, that for six months, remember, every single day for three hours, I felt debilitating depression and anxiety And the point, and I want to say that timeline, is that these things take time to move. The energy takes time to move. So let's talk a little bit about some of my breakthroughs. Mm -hmm. Do you have any that come to mind? Because I have a few that come to mind. Yeah, there's a lot of them. And what I want to speak to that you just shared about is that the work that we do is not just talk therapy. We do energy work. We do, um, you know, like connecting to your higher self through inner child visualizations there are different techniques such as EFT tapping there's honestly my sessions are guided intuitively of what do I feel the client needs at this time and there have been times where you know I've instructed scout to set the computer aside and literally lie down and and guided her through a grounding meditation because that was going to be far more valuable than us talking about anything that was coming up for her and really tuning into what does she need in that moment. Um, So I wanted to just share that different coaches have different (coughs) modalities that they use or different styles, different tools that contribute to the breakthroughs. And I have a lot of different certifications, but really like I'm being guided by my higher self and really being present with what is and unconditionally present. It's not like, oh, if 
my client has to come here and like feel amazing every time we talk. No, like it actually, for me, holding space for the shit and the rock bottom and the place where they feel like they're dying is like where a lot of the magic happens, where they feel not judged and where we can release the shame around that. So I wanted to start with that and then share, then we can share some of the breakthroughs. Yeah, but real quick, I just realized that I don't think I've ever told you. There's just so much coming up. It's hard for me to organize this whole experience over this past year, but something that I think you do so profoundly that allowed me to not only feel safe in my emotions and anxiety and depression, but also to feel a lot of meaning in the good stuff. So I think that as a collective, as society, as humans, we often don't realize what a big deal certain things are. So sometimes we're afraid to share, oh, well, I'm having this thing with my dad, but you know, it's not that big of a deal. We push things under the rug. We don't think our problems are huge problems because they're not traumatic or this or this or this. You hold space for things and, and validate what I'm feeling. So there'll be very small things and I can't really even think of an example, but there will be such small things that I'll tell you that I did. And you'll say, that's powerful. Like You take these ordinary mundane things that I think we forget are big deals because they restructure the way we relate to our family, the way we relate to our work culture, our team, our siblings, our, our partners. And they're so small, but sometimes... I'll tell somebody else something and they just don't think it's a big deal. But I tell you and you see the weight that it holds over my life, which I think is so special. Yeah. I mean, we live in a culture where we're not taught to celebrate ourselves, where we're taught that it's egotistical to celebrate who we really are. And like, I think that we really undervalue and underestimate like how much you show up in your life, whether you're, you know, running a business or going through your day in a relationship. I mean, just showing up as a human is just like a whole job in itself. Like, let's just be, let's just keep it real. Life is hard sometimes. Right. So like these things that sometimes we just take for granted that, that we do, they, they get to be celebrated. And that's one of the things in this work that I do is like reflecting your worthiness back to you, reflecting your greatness back to you, reflecting your light back to you and holding space for the shadow and the darkness and all the other things that come up. But like, that is part of the work of like reminding you of the truth of who you are Mm -hmm. and how powerful you actually are. Because the way that our we have this thing called the negativity bias where where our brain focuses on things that are going wrong and it's actually designed to protect us it is designed to keep us safe it's designed to keep away harm so our brain is constantly scanning our environments for the things that are going wrong because it wants to protect us and that doesn't actually help us when we're trying to build our confidence or trying to be happy all the time because that 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 pattern is keeping us stuck in that so you can shift that pattern and choose to focus on the things that you're doing well and choose to focus on the things that are working and it takes time to reprogram that yeah 100 percent. okay now let's get to the breakthroughs all right let's get to the breakthroughs i know that's what everyone wants to hear about okay so very specifically what has happened yeah (laughs) so um We already talked about one where like when anxiety or depression comes up, instead of letting that anxiety or depression completely take you over to the extent where you get into like a catatonic state or where it becomes this whole physical experience, being able to witness that anxiety or depression and create a new relationship with your mental health where you're not like, oh my God, this means that I'm going to die or this means that I'm a bad person or this means that something's wrong with me. You're like, oh, hello, anxiety. What are you here to teach me? 
what do you want me to know? Oh, are you telling me that I'm just like not taking care of myself right now? Oh, you're telling me that I need to get outside in nature. Okay, cool. Let me listen to that. So I think that's one thing is like, uh, recognizing when the emotions are there and learning how to hold yourself through them. And also now that you have what I call the spiritual toolkit, which is like the million different tools and ways of thinking and things that you can do in those moments, you are able to pick the ones that work for you and you actually choose to use them. And then you're able to shift your state. And you're also very good at asking for support when you do feel like you need support. And I think that's important too, to know that you don't always have to hold yourself, that you can actually be held too. So that's one. Well, in the beginning, so we do Voxer. So if people are wondering the organization of this, we have we have three sessions a month and then we're on Voxer support, which is like a text voice note thing. So in the beginning, I mean, I was voice noting you through every uncomfortable emotion. And then I got to the point where now... Like, I'm good. I got it. I know how to do it. But yeah, just in the beginning, it was it was a lot of oxering you. Yeah. And every client's different. You know, some people are like kind of shy to use the support in the beginning. And then I teach them that it's okay to ask ask for support. And that's what I'm here for. And then there's other people who use it a lot. And my ultimate goal and and why I love coaching is that I'm I'm the teacher and the guide to to teach you how to connect with yourself and to hold yourself and to be with yourself. I'm not here to have you rely on me forever and like, you know, come to me when only when things are are wrong. Like I'm here to celebrate you too and to, to make sure that you have the tools and know how to do this moving forward. So you're having a, a lasting change. Um, and yeah, I love the Voxer support. We've had some pretty like profound breakthroughs through in between sessions because so much life happens between in a week. Like we are such multidimensional beings and there's so many things that's happening every day. And like just having that in between support is really helpful, but let's get back to the breakthroughs. Um, so another breakthrough that you have had, especially throughout COVID is, looking at your relationship with alcohol and how often you drink and how that impacts your mental health, um, along with who you choose to socialize with and what environments feel supportive for you and what environments are anxiety provoking or stress provoking for you, like really being intentional, how you curate your environments to support your happiness and your growth. Um, and we've also worked through a lot of codependency. So codependency usually stems from a relationship with a parent or how we've seen our parents relate to one another. And um, it can be a place where often people like abandon themselves because they want the other person to be happy or they don't want to hurt the other person. And essentially it isn't a healthy dynamic for both people in a relationship. So, you know, we've really worked through codependency in all of your relationships really and creating more sovereignty within yourself that's kind of a big word that I love to use but sovereignty of like really knowing that you don't need other people but you have yourself and that you can you can source your power from yourself and that you don't have to rely on other people outside of you to take care of you yeah and just to get super specific with one of those I think one of the biggest I suppose aha moments that I had while working with you was 
around my relationship with my dad. So we were sitting there and it really, at that point, I microdosed mushrooms a few weeks ago. It was the first time I've ever done that. But it felt as if I was having a mushroom trip. Like it felt as if suddenly something was altering my brain chemistry and I just saw so clearly. And it was the moment that I realized that I go to my dad. I am standing here saying this as a 29-year-old woman. I go to my dad for all life decisions because I want him to sign off on what I do. And I realize that if he signs off on what I do, I feel safe because if it goes wrong, he'll pick the pieces up for me and he'll swoop in and save me and be my supporting safety net. What that did was a, I didn't have control or power over my decisions. And if my dad disagreed on something, it was very difficult for me to move forward, which is very irregular for me for other things because I usually move quite swiftly with what I want to do. But I remember just sitting there and realizing that that's the emotional trigger that was happening in those moments that I physically could not go against my dad's wishes. And we're talking stupid shit. Like buying an apartment, like getting a new apartment. You know what I mean? Like moving to a new apartment. I would have to let him know the price and let him know the timeline. And he didn't know this. He didn't know I was doing it. But if he said that sounds really expensive, I'd be like, oh, you're right. Nope, not doing that. And it just made me realize how much power I had given over to somebody else who Mm -hmm. will love me unconditionally and, and will always help me in whatever capacity he can. And that was unfair to put that on him. And it was just this crazy moment that not only I realized that I was doing that but also that I realized that I am an autonomous separate person than my parents in that moment I think I became an adult like you knew what was happening I was a crying mess I was just like holy fucking shit I'm an adult I'm my own person I have freedom to move to a different apartment because it's my fucking money it was so insane to me and so clear that it felt like I was on mushrooms. Like that's how clear it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The biggest part about that transformation that I see, cause I have another private client that I'm working with and we just went through literally the same thing is that when we're younger, when we're children, we see our parents as God. They are the ones who give us safety and security. They are the ones who pick us up when we're falling down. They are the ones who guide us and teach us in life. And until you become your own person and you recognize that there is actually a higher power and that your parents are not God and that they're also human beings and that they have their own stuff too and they don't know all of the right answers, but we've been taught to believe that they do. That is such a huge turning point in anyone's evolution of being an individual and still you can still honor and respect and love your parents and not do everything they want you to. Right. And there was another piece around codependency that you were taking on other you were taking on responsibility for other people's happiness and that's a lot of weight to carry as one human being where you're not only like navigating your own mental health and your life and your happiness but then also like really making sure that everyone around you is happy and every and like taking responsibility for your dad's happiness and for adam's happiness and for your sister's happiness and like 
that's a lot to take on. Like, that's so much work. <laughs> but also, yes, 100%. But also what made me, because I've, I've known that my whole life, but the thing that made me start being more conscious about not doing that was because I saw what happened when you let me go through the shit, when you weren't trying to just make me happy and stable, which is what everyone around me has always done with my mental illness. So when you didn't say, just be happy, what can I do? How do I make this better? It showed me what happens when you give people the opportunity to walk down that. And so something happened with someone, I'm not going to name their name, and I I never even went to Adam with this. But in my head, I was like, I'm going to give them X amount of dollars to get through this time period. And I told you, and you said, you know, that's not really going to help them. And then I realized that my need to jump in and and make people happy is actually robbing them of complete life transformations and life lessons that I know and have to trust that they will navigate to the best of their abilities and that they are supposed to go through these things. I was robbing people mm-hmm. of their chance to own their shit and learn from it, which is the biggest gift you've given me and I've given myself this year. Mm-hmm. My favorite, one of my favorite authors, her name is Rebecca Campbell and she has, I'm going to paraphrase this poem that she has, but essentially it says, I pray that you hit rock bottom so that you crack open and let the light shine through. And when we stop taking responsibility for everyone else's experiences and know that life is hard sometimes and sometimes like when we're in the shit, when things aren't working is when we figure out how like figure out who we really are. And we can't take away other people's pain. We can't be responsible for other people's pain. Like it's not actually possible. No matter how hard you try, you cannot make someone else happy. You can love them. You can support them. You can be there for them when they're going through a hard time, but you can't fix it for them. And they don't need to be fixed. And I think that's the thing that I really see in you is like, I've never seen you as broken. I've never seen you as incapable. I've never seen you as debilitated because of your circumstances and... I think that's that is what love would do. Love would hold someone as capable. Yeah, and I had to think of a, a metaphor for this to really be able to understand it because I always thought about if I had a friend who was a total alcoholic, like a like really bad, the life's on the line, we, we need to get something done here, and it's so hard for them to withdraw, and they're so afraid to go through the withdrawals and the rehab and, and the sober living and everything, I would never say don't do it. I would say, please do it. And I know it's going to be hard and I'm going to support you in walking through that anyways. So sometimes when I get to that point, I think to myself, if this person was an alcoholic or needed to go through some major cracking open to heal, I would support that in them. So just put it on a smaller scale. I should support that same transition in all of life circumstances for all of my loved ones. Mm, yeah, that's a super powerful analogy that I think people can can relate to. Yeah, it just helps me see what's going on here in, in, a, in a bigger picture. Yeah, I mean, we talk about how you ha- how like often in any spiritual journey or personal development journey, like you often have to go through the darkness to get to the light. And we're just taught in society that like the goal is to be happy all the time. And if you're not happy all the time, then take this medication or find, you know, yeah, just take this medication and and that will take away the sadness. And a lot of the work that I do is teaching 
people how to be with their emotions and not feel afraid of their emotions and not make their emotions wrong. And through that, when you do that, your emotions actually can move through you. Emotions are energy in motion. That's what they are. So if you're not allowing yourself to feel your emotions, you're trying to numb them out through alcohol, through smoking weed, through scrolling on social media, through distracting yourself in all these different ways, staying super busy so that you never have a moment to actually feel something, then the emotion will stay and depression will stay. Anxiety will stay. But if you are willing and brave enough to actually be with it and look at it and feel it, We've talked about sacred rage, like letting yourself actually be angry and punch pillows and put on like, you know, really intense music or creating a really beautiful space, going into the bathtub and allowing yourself to cry and uh, releasing. That actually allows the emotions to move faster and you get more of those periods of joy and bliss and release. It's freedom. It's freedom to be able to feel your emotions and When you allow yourself to feel those lows, what you're actually doing is giving yourself permission to feel the highs too. So if you don't let yourself go into those emotions, then you're also not going to create space for those elevated emotions that you actually want to feel. And I do want to preface this that learning how to be with your emotions, if this isn't a skill that you have or that you've learned, starting that with a therapist or with a coach versus trying it on your own is what I would recommend because you have to learn how to feel safe in those emotions. And for me and my experience with depression, if I really let myself get really sad, sometimes what your mind will tell you is I'm going to get stuck here and I'm never going to come out of it. And especially if, you know, you have suicidal thoughts or even if you get really dark, because we all get really dark if we let ourselves get there, like, having a safe space to know that like you can come out of it and you're not alone in it is actually how we learn to be with our emotions. So yeah, I think that you can start with a ritual and you can try and release your emotions and practice just instead of holding back your tears or telling yourself not to be sad or trying to pretend something's that nothing's wrong is actually learning how to be with your emotions and let them pass through is one of the biggest gifts that you can give yourself. That's the biggest gift that's come out of working with you because I had such a volatile relationship with my emotions because they took things from me. They took college, they took jobs, they took memories, they took relationships. It just, I, once I felt something, I would be riddled with fear of, okay, are we going down? Am I just a little sad right now? Are we going down? Like what's going on? We're going down. Like, am I quitting my job tomorrow? Am I making an uh, an emergency call to my psychiatrist? Am I going to the hospital? Um, Does Adam need to come home? Like what, what's happening? And so every time I would feel an emotion, I would get so afraid that I would get bogged into a depressive episode and I would get so afraid that it would become unmanageable. And so what happened, I think, is that when I would feel that inkling of sadness or anxiety or depression, I would catastrophize it and actually put fuel on the fire and make it grow and grow and grow. Now I say, okay, we're sad. Uh, let's process this right now real quick and let's let it give it room to breathe and welcome it in and thank it for its lessons and understand that I'm having a very sacred human experience. And what I think the most incredible thing about my evolution in this last year, my My mental health journey has gone through a lot of iterations and you met me or you started working with me in the iteration of functioning, 
but internally not the best. And I don't have fear. I, sisters, listen to this. I don't have fear. I don't have fear. You could give me the worst depression tomorrow. And I know in my core, in my gut, in my foundation, my solar plexus, my root chakra, whatever you want to call it, that I'm good. Like, yeah, I'm not saying get rid of it. I'm not saying that I can't experience it. I'm going to. I stand here today knowing, oh, yeah, I'll get depressed at one point in my life. Oh, yeah, I'm going to feel anxious. Felt it this morning. Oh, yeah, I'm going to feel sad and grief and I'm going to lose people and I'm going to things in my life are going to crumble at one point or another and I'm going to face extreme challenges. No fear. Just total acceptance. Just total like, okay, if that's, and and this is going to tumble into the next part of the conversation that I want to have. If that's what God wants for me, then there's a reason and I'm available to, to step up to the assignment. I'm available and I'm willing and it's this whole shift in perspective that I think first on a psychological, mental health, psychology, emotional, whatever, feel safe in your emotions, right? And then to feel no fear around the onslaught of emotions that you're going to experience the rest of your life, it's because you believe in something greater. And I sit on the couch, I kid you not, just with my husband saying, oh my God, I'm so happy. I'm so filled with joy right now. Joy is visiting me. Fulfillment is visiting me. Is this, look around, babe. Is this not it? Is this not the most beautiful moment of your life? And he's like, yeah, we're watching 30 Rock, you know, and it's <laughs> it's just, it's this, it, yeah, it's, as you said, you have to feel the lows to feel the highs, but I have not experienced more moments of extreme contentment, fulfillment, and bliss than I have in this past year. And I want to now transition into the spiritual side of things because you sisters know Mads loves to fucking p- pick on me for my spirituality. But don't <laughs> you worry because we're going to Tulum together and she's going to come back a changed woman. But I want to talk a little bit about the spiritual aspect because I actually, it's my memory is a little hazy here. Um, so I just recorded an episode on my, my personal podcast, Scout Podcast, about my spiritual journey. And I realized that my first spiritual awakening was in Tulum on my honeymoon, although I had been prepped for that. I was doing Reiki and cupping and all the things, but it was a blissful spiritual awakening. It was seeing the beauty and love of the universe. When we worked together, it was that crack open, painful type of spiritual awakening. So can you talk a little bit about, because I don't really remember where I was spiritually at that point. Was I... I, I believed in spirituality, but it was nothing like my relationship with it now. Yeah, I think you had a prayer practice when we started. I th- am sure that you did have some sort of prayer practice when we first started. Yeah, that feels right. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's a difference between the intellectual believing in God or like connecting with God and then the embodiment of living and breathing and knowing that no matter what happens that you're being guided and supported and so I my experience of it is that you were aware of the universe that you had read about you'd read personal development books you had done some of your own work and that through our work together that it actually has been embodied it's no longer just a concept or an idea but that it actually is 
like a core belief that lives in your body that that exists within your being that can never actually be taken away from you. So I think that's how I would describe the the transition or the transformation that I've seen is that like regardless of whether things are going really well or whether things are challenging, like you turn to your faith and, and your, your trust in something greater. And I think that that's what I see in you is, is more of the embodied spirituality, the embodied trust and faith. Yeah, that feels very good. That feels very, very on point. And I just remember though, being cracked open and how painful it was. And so sometimes People think of spirituality as this really beautiful, loving yoga, Palo Santo, all the stuff. But Which they, it is. It's that. Oh, it's totally. We, have, oh, we didn't even light our Palo Santo. I brought some <laughs> out. And it's the really, really deep, I guess you could call it shadow shadow work, um, which I'm still not 100% grasping what that totally means for me. What What is my shadow? Like we part- all have shadow. So our shadows are the parts of ourselves that feel challenging to look at, whether that being our ego, whether we are have certain attachments to certain things. Um, but what's mine? Oh, your shadow. Yeah. Okay. Let me. Because I try to. Connect f- to I know there's so many things, but I, I'm having trouble defining. I mean, it. I would say like. Your shadow can even be anything that isn't light, that anything that isn't aligned with your higher self. And so your shadow is your depression. Your shadow is, you know, the fear, the shadow are the parts of yourself that are not aligned with your light. And we all have light and shadow, so we need both. Um, But I would say that like they're kind of like our, I don't want to say the word demons, but they are the things that... um, way the heaviest the belief systems the patterns yeah I I'm coming to terms with one of my shadows which is I know I'm in it when I think I'm separate from other people Mm -hmm. so that's when my ego comes into play and to give an example which I'm not proud of to admit sometimes when I get very busy with my business I think that I'm different than other people I think that people can't understand my work ethic or what I'm doing. And and yes, to a certain extent, the, the lifestyle and the workload and the responsibilities of an entrepreneur are very different. Just like the lifestyle, the pressures and the responsibilities of working for someone are totally different. It's just not, it just is different. But I find sometimes, like I called my girlfriend Whitney screaming, because I was so stressed out. It's when I get stressed out, I start thinking of myself as separate from other people. And I don't like that. And I, I'm happy that I can identify it because that's the first step towards dismantling that. But that's my current shadow. Mm. Yeah. We all have shadows and they like to hide. So it's an ongoing evolution of like really being willing to look at them and being gentle with yourself in those moments and knowing that you're human and that as humans, unless you're a fully enlightened being, which there are only very few of those in existence. Does that even exist? It does exist. You think so? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. And the path to enlightenment is the question mark, but yeah, I mean, we have an ego and we're human. And so like it's about not making yourself wrong for those things, being willing to look at them, being curious about them and 
it's an ongoing exploration. Yeah. There was another area of your growth that I think would be really valuable for us to share with the sisters. Love to talk about your relationship with your body. (laughs) God damn it. (laughs) Okay, go. (laughs) So the world that you live in, Scout, is PR. And you are surrounded by conversations with celebrities and about celebrities and in kind of more of a materialistic world than what I live in or what I, what I surround myself with. Image based. Yeah. Very image based. Yeah. Yeah. And we're all impacted by that in some way or another, but I also know that you love fashion and I know that like there's this desire that you would like to be able to wear whatever you want to wear. And like there are certain styles that you just don't feel work for your body type. And that feels really frustrating. And I also know that a big part of your journey going on and off medications, trying different medications a long time have impacted how your body metabolizes fat and how your body responds to food. And obviously with that, like when you're coming off medication or when you're on medication, like some medications are appetite suppressants. And when you go off those medications, like it's very often that in the transition coming off of them, like the body gains weight or you have a bigger appetite and that's for anyone who's on those types of medications. So it can be really easy to be really hard on yourself and be frustrated to fluctuate so drastically in weight. And also to know that like, part of that is medication transitions that you've been through and so I would just love to bring that to light because I know that that is not something that a lot of women talk about but pretty much every woman has some type of body image conversation happening within themselves and feeling like they're the only ones who struggle with that and only ones who have shame and everyone wants to have this one body type and that's just like So not only not realistic, but also unfair because I believe that there's so many different beautiful body types. And when I asked you this question, I was like, yeah, I'd love to talk about your relationship with your body. So listeners, sisters, just take a moment to think for yourself. What is your relationship with your body? How do you talk to her? How do you think about your body? What do you say when you look in the mirror? What do you say when you try on clothes? What do you say when you look at pictures of yourself, right? These are really all part of how you start to get to know, like, how do I relate to my body and how does that affect my relationships? How does that affect how I feel on a daily basis? How does that affect how, who I am and, and all areas of my life? So is there anything that you want to share about your journey with body? Yeah, that I haven't really shared. Um, so when I was younger, I got boobs very young and I got a lot of attention from men. I mean, I'm talking, I was 13 getting attention from 25 year olds plus cause I had D's <laughs> D's D's and I wore a bra, which always accentuates them. And so from a very young age, I tried to hide my boobs and sometimes not all the times, but sometimes with boobs comes a curvier body and I've always been very tiny I'm a petite girl but I've always been very very insecure about my stomach because I am a little squishy there I'm just a little squishy and my mom used to always tell me in every dressing room when we would get dressed you know try clothes on she would say you have the most beautiful body and it 
she tells me that to this day. She just is in awe of how beautiful my body is all the time. And it's so sad that I had a mom who was so like that. And yet I feel this way. You know, I just wish that, you know, as a parent, I, I would I would think that you want to pass on certain things. And it, it's sad that maybe that wasn't passed on, even though she thinks I'm so gorgeous and beautiful in, in all ways. But um, I had this thing of what would it feel like to just not have any stomach fat? And I don't have a lot <laughs> at all. Um, but my body, which I think maybe comes to surprise for some people because of the way I dress it and don't show it, is that I really do have like a 1960s femme fatale body. I really do. I look at women in the 1960s. Um, I think her name is Ava Gardner. My mother-in-law compared me to. And I mean, it is very, very like my body. And I would watch old movies and I would say, God, if I was born in the 60s, I'd be I'd be all it, right? I'd, I'd be the hot stuff. Um, and I am the hot stuff. But I went on a medication that suppressed my appetite so significantly that I lost all body fat. I had that moment where I sat down and there was no rolls on my stomach and I was like, whoa, this is weird. And I really liked it and I feel bad, not badly, but um, I took a lot of photos of myself showing off that body and posted them and really felt great got rid of all my clothing, bought new clothing that fit me, couldn't believe the size of the jeans and felt really, really good that, that thin. I also think that with that medication suppressant appetite, my body never fluctuated. So I never felt bloated or, you know, some days women have periods and now, now I have a menstrual cycle. I went off IUD. So now my weight really does fluctuate within a very, very short time span. Anyways, I went off and I gained a lot of weight. Do I feel, and this is where I'm at today. I'm eight pounds maybe more than I would like to be. Um, I'm 5'2". Eight pounds doesn't sound like a lot, but on a 5'2", it is. Do I have the capacity, knowing that I have extremely healthy eating habits, knowing that I'm actually working out more than I've ever worked out, knowing that I have a really good relationship with food, is that something that I want to severely prioritize? And the answer is no. Um, I have too much going on to focus on something like that. When it's eight pounds, there's nothing unhealthy about my body. It's very healthy. And to be honest, it's really sitting in the state that it loves to be in. It loves to have a, a hip and a little tummy and boobs that are a little bit fuller. It loves being there. And so I'm letting her be there. Um, yes, sometimes jeans aren't the most comfy right now. And sometimes I feel her and I, I feel her existence. I think we try to get to the absence of her existence, but I feel her existence and it's hard for me. Um, it's hard for me to get dressed in the morning sometimes, but I refuse right now in this moment to I have so many things that I'm trying to do right now that are so much more important than eight pounds is so much more important than eight pounds will ever be ever I'm just wrote a book I'm scaling my agency 
I have some other things that I'm trying to do personally. And so I just examined, do I eat healthy? I eat really healthy. I eat healthier than I've ever eaten. And I work out. So yes, it is very hard for me. But I'm also boldly making a statement to push through regardless. I'm sitting here in a crop top. Like, I think I look great. But it's, I don't know how to talk about it other than it's a constant it's like, you know, when you're in a negative thought pattern, you have to reprogram your thoughts. It's that. It's it's feeling uncomfortable in my body and saying, she's really great to me. She does so much for me. She looks beautiful. Whatever insecurity I'm feeling is is completely fabricated and false. It's actually not true in any sense of the word. It's a complete societal construction. And does she love me? Yes. Is she treating me right? Yes. Am I treating her right? I could treat her better. And it's just coming home to just really being in pure gratification and bliss that she exists and that she holds me in the way that she does. So every time I feel that way, I come home to that sentiment. This is one of the moments where I get to reflect back to Scout how far she's come. (laughs) The way she's sharing right now is one of those like, I've made progress, but like there's still a long way to go. And we've had some moments in our coaching recently where I've just seen her so fiercely like honor where her body's at and be like, I love my body and it might not be exactly where I want it to be, but like, I'm not ashamed of it. I'm not in a place where I'm willing to put her in harm or do things that don't feel good for me so that I look a certain way. And like, you've made monumental strides in this area and it's not easy, especially like what you just talked about your journey that you've been through of, you know, being on a medication and then coming off and your body gaining a lot of weight and it is uncomfortable and having to change your closet and all these things. And it's, it's a real thing that you're going through and you have also made some incredible progress and I'm really, really proud of where you're at in this journey with your body. Yeah, I will not let a fabricated societal norm tell me what I should and should not place my emphasis Mm -hmm. on. I listen to what I eat. I'm really happy with what I eat. And it's an ongoing process. And I felt a lot of shame talking about this because I am a smaller person. So I know this could be triggering to some like eight pounds. That's nothing, right? But for me, it feels a lot. And so also just understanding the nuances that everyone has these sees their bodies in different ways regardless of whether you know some women are too skinny and not too skinny are thin and want to gain weight and they can't you know it's just it's a really complicated thing for women and it makes me really upset that we focus on it so much because there's so many other things that we do yeah I totally hear you on that and I was thinking about that as you were talking and also I think that it is really healthy for women who are in a different place, maybe, you know, you have more weight that you want to lose or you have weight that you want to gain. And just to know that like someone who by societal societal standards does have a really beautiful body also struggles with this conversation around body image. And I want you to know that you're not alone. So um, I think that there's a lot of power in you sharing what your truth is and that it is relatable. It might be different circumstances or different numbers or different desires. And it's still a relatable conversation around relationship with your body and how much capacity or how much space that can take up for someone in their life. Yeah. I make a few things that I do to make sure that I 
love my body is every time before I go in the shower, I look at her naked in the morning with a really beautiful, loving gaze. No matter how I feel, I like find something that I love and celebrate it. Um, also masturbating is a really great thing to do if you're having body issues because it just connects you to your body in such a profound way and shows you what she's capable of and the connection you can have to her. So, and then wearing clothing, I'm always assessing what I'll feel the best in and wearing clothes that I feel the best in. Mm -hmm. Yeah. On my body image journey, actually taking a pole dancing class was one of the most transformational things. There were a lot of different things. It's been a huge area for me as well. Um, but Yeah, I would say that taking a pole dancing class and now the work that I do and that I will be teaching in the near future, which is called embodiment, um, is I definitely believe some of the most healing, yeah, the most healing things that you can do to reconnect with your body in a way that really serves you. Yeah, yeah. I remember I was voice sounding you and you're like, fuck yeah, you're a sexual divine goddess. I was like, that's right. (laughs) That's right, girl. Hmm. This was so lovely. Feels like we had an interview coaching session, walk down memory lane, reassessment of the last year. I know I've told you a million times, but thank you for saving my life. And I know your answer is you saved your own, but you really did open the door and gave me the confidence to walk through. Mm, when thank you for choosing this path for yeah. yourself and for all the people that you love and for all the people that you're going to impact in this lifetime yeah thank you can you tell everybody one sisters if, if you're interested in working with amy i'm going to have her share uh where to best find her but before that can you just give some advice to someone who's looking to work with a coach and maybe some questions to ask themselves or some first steps to make that leap Yeah, of course. So like Scout mentioned earlier that there's a lot of really phenomenal coaches in that exist, I guess, in the industry. And there's coaches for different things. There's coaches for relationships. There's coaches for spirituality. There's coaches for money. There's coaches for life coaching, for business coaching. There's so many different areas. So first getting really clear on what type of support do you need right now? What type of support do you want? What is an area in your life that you really want support with? I'm an intuitive mindset coach and I support women in connecting to their intuition and shifting their beliefs and empowering women to know that they're capable of creating the life that they desire. So every coach has a different focus and I think really we are guided to our teachers when the student is ready, the teacher appears So you can do a search and really feel into what coach feels right for you. And then I like to advise you to work with coaches who have real life testimonials. I have so many videos and, you know, my clients are more than happy to share about their experiences. And I think it's important for you to know that the coach has been able to help someone who's been in your position. I've hired coaches even in business coaching where they are so much further along in their business growth and development that the strategies that they were trying to teach me were not a fit for where I was at in my business. And I spent a lot of money and like believed that that was the answer to create this like super fancy funnel and like all this stuff. And that wasn't the answer for me. So I do think that it is helpful sometimes even to work with a coach who's just a few steps ahead of you, who you see is actually living and embodying the type of human being that you would like to be. 
So that's what you get to look for. Someone who inspires you, someone who has results, someone who is willing to meet you where you're at and be honest with you if they don't think that it's the right fit. I've turned many people away who are just not the right fit and also provided resources for them to make sure that they are working with the right coach. So those are some things I would look at. And then the other thing that I would really look at is, are you more committed to changing, to stepping into the vision of who you know that you can be, to the potential that you know that you have, or are you more committed to staying comfortable? And that's a question that no one else can answer for you. That's a question that you get to ask yourself before you think about investing because there's no coach that can do it for you. They're not here to fix you. They're not here to do the work for you, but they are here to guide you and show you how to do it and to support you and you know, hold you accountable along the way. So those are some things that I look at when it comes to coaching and yeah, we go um, through things fast, you and me, because I'm like, okay, I'm ready. I'm showing up. Let's go. I think that you have to be ready. Mm -hmm. You have to be able to want to walk through the door and be ready to use those legs because I feel like you and I go through things pretty quickly because I'm, I'm here for the breakthroughs is really Mm -hmm. what it is. (laughs) Yeah. She's not, she's not messing around. Do you, do you agree with my advice in the beginning that to find the right coach, to maybe join one of their workshops, um, some of their uh, more like one-time offerings just to see if that's a good fit for you? Yeah, I think that's super important. I mean, you can also feel into, like if you know that a coach feels right for you, then like you can also trust that. However, I wouldn't choose a coach based off of their just their social media posts because like someone could be a really good writer and a really good marketer and like know what to say, but like you do get to experience them. So maybe it's listening to the, like some people who work with me listen to like all of my podcast episodes and they just like know they're ready to work with me. So that's a free offering or they might have like a, you know, PDF handout or a guided meditation or something that's free that you can check out. So yeah, get a feel for it. Um, experience their work. That's, that's what you're talking about is like Mm. sign up for a workshop, do a, do an event with them, like get a feel for their work and experience the transformation. And then you'll know that you're ready to invest. Yeah. Also, I just realized that we have the same beauty mark. Oh yeah. On the other side of the, we're we're mirroring each other right now. Our beauty mark. Is mine here? No, it's the other side. Oh, so they're on opposite sides, but we have the same. That's so funny. I never realized (laughs) that. Okay, and if they're listening, sisters, and they're like, oh, fuck yeah, count me in with Amy, how can they find you? How can they sign up for all the wonderful things? Because you don't just do one-on-one coaching. You host one-day workshops. You host, I don't know, pro. I don't know what you, you're just doing stuff. I'm in the one-on-one coaching, but you have a lot going on. Yeah, so best way to find me is on Instagram. My handle is Amy Natalie Co. Co. And come on over to my podcast, the Feminine Frequency Podcast. Subscribe, listen to all of them, rate it, review it, all the things. Scout Guys, has- literally, <laughs> I'm not joking. I'm boxering Amy. I'm listening to Amy's podcast. I'm like, fuck. And now I'm going to lunch with Amy, and I'm putting about like I'm like just I'm listening to Amy all day long. <laughs> Her podcast is really good, sisters. I wouldn't have started it without Scout. So yeah. it's such a a win-win this 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 relationship that we have but yeah find me on instagram come check me out on the podcast send me a private message let me know what you want to work on 
I'm available. I'm a person. You can reach out. I'd love to hear from you. And we can have a conversation about what type of program or offering that I have could be a good fit for you now or in the future. Beautiful. And sisters, you know where to find me. Forgot this was an OKSIS podcast. So you can follow us on Instagram at OKSIS podcast. But you can also catch me at Scout Sobel. I love you very dearly and I will catch you next time. Hey there, I'm Dr. Tracy Dalgleish, clinical psychologist and couples therapist. If there's one thing I know from both my personal and clinical experience, it's that we are really good at comparing ourselves to others. We tend to get stuck in the unhelpful narratives that play on repeat in our minds, and we struggle to set boundaries and create healthy love. Each week, I bring you clinical knowledge and evidence-based research, experiences of sitting in the therapist chair, and being a wife, mother, and business owner to talk about everyday issues we all face to help you you change the dialogue in your life. Tune in every Thursday to I'm Not Your Shrink wherever you listen to podcasts. While I'm not your shrink, I am still human and I'm excited for us to be in our vulnerability and humanness together.